0: Mental toughness is just doing the same stuff over and over. Mm -hmm. Like every day, whether you want to do it or don't want to do it, like you just have to do it. There's no negotiating. And not quitting. Correct. And so it's like, if we're not practicing that skill, what do you think is going to happen to the game? Well,
1: you fall to the
0: level of your training. Exactly. So it's like up to us to put them in positions of like, hey, this is going to suck for five minutes, but I just need to give it your all for five. That's all I need, five minutes. And we're going to win the game or win this competition.
1: Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio, featuring The Crew, where a former pro football player and a D3 All-Star use strength and conditioning as an excuse to talk about anything but. Now here's John and Tex.
0: A little ASMR real. Oh my God. Charles <laughs> real big into that. Really? <laughs>
1: I can he's tell like, drink your coffee again. <laughs> <laughs> you know I can tell whenever he's on the microphone, he just he's rubs like, his beard against it.
0: Just testing to see if it works. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, Power Athlete Nation, always got to begin with a, a rip on Charles. Welcome back, long-time pal and previous Power Athlete radio guest, Mr. Zach Zilner, the director of sports performance for University of Texas women's basketball. Thanks for having me. What's up? A lot wow. is up. And which is why we're bringing you out here to have some fun conversation. Last year, we caught up following a surprise run for your squad to the Elite Eight. And this year, we followed it up with the Big 12 Championship and another run to the
0: Elite Eight. Hey, Power Athlete Nation. Summer is weeks away, and you got to get that body right. Now, whether it's to pack on a little bit of muscle to fill out those pants and fill out that T-shirt, or to lean out and show off those abs by popping off that shirt, we got you covered. Now, The reason we'd like to start busting our ass now is so that we have a little bit of margin of error so that you can cut loose and not feel guilty. So what I want you to do is go check out one of Power Athletes' nutrition protocols. We got a leaning, we got a bulking, we got a keto, and we also have a performance protocol for those of you that need a little bit of extra attention or really trying to dial it in so that you look like a million bucks come summer.
1: To learn more, head to PowerAthleteHQ.com forward slash nutrition to find out which protocol is right for you. And... We're going to give you an extra 20% off at checkout with the code Week. 20%? Yeah, that's all caps. E-A-T-T-H-E-W-E-A-K at
0: checkout. Dude, sounds good to me. Now you got your mission. You know what we're expecting. Go get it. See ya. It's a fun one for sure. It is a fun one, man.
1: One of the things I want to get into, and we can lead off with this, the difference in training atmosphere once your team successfully had a good run and now they expect to win, no longer having these the chip on your shoulder, the underdog effect. Now you're the big dogs in the conference. So what was that mindset shift and approach that you brought to the team the following year after some success?
0: I think the big realization is there's a lot of work that has to go into being successful. And everyone talks about, you know, like early morning, late night, um, the grind or whatever. Um, but they really did put in the work. Like we practice four hours a day. Um, it's not easy. It's high intensity all the time and it's monotonous and it's boring, but that's the stuff that works. And I think the first year when you do that, it's hard, it's uncomfortable. You like, you don't want to do it. It's Mm -hmm. not fun. Um, but then at the end of the year, when you see where you finish, you know, you're one of the top eight teams left in the country. Like to me, I think that's worth it. Putting those extra hours. And so it's like, Okay we set the bar this high. You knew the work that had to go into it to be a top eight team. If you want to get over that hump or at least be close to where you were, you need to put in the exact same amount of work or more. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of gives everyone the idea of what exactly it means to work hard or put in the work or grind to get to that level. Um, So just keeping you to that high standard, the upperclassmen, if you you know, put them in the right environment or they're going to be the ones that show the underclassmen, you know, this is what it takes. This is acceptable. This isn't. Then um, you roll from there.
1: And with that first run, how many seniors did you lose
0: off that team? I think we lost three seniors. Um, pretty good amount. Um, and one of them was a grad transfer. So she had played basketball for six years in college. So that's would make her like 24, which difference between a 24-year-old and an 18-year-old is huge. Um, so that helped definitely coming from her. Um, and she was our point guard at the time. Mm-hmm. And it helped a lot to say, like, you know, this is what it takes um, to be where you want to be. And those underclassmen, like, in high school, you work hard. But most of these athletes, they're the best no matter what in high yeah. school. Like, they're the best player in their state if they don't go to practice. Um, so it's a little bit of a wake-up call when they get to college. And everybody's that stud. Mm-hmm.
1: So with that, I mean, then how many rising seniors that did you finish with this year that then took on the ownership of the team
0: and the culture? So we had three seniors. One was um, a transfer. She's been there for a year. And then the other two were there their whole from their freshman to their senior year, which was cool to see how much they've grown up from being scared freshmen to, you know, junkyard dogs as seniors kind of leading it as this is our team. This is what we do. Like, this is our standard of operation. You're either Mm -hmm. with it or get out. Um, There are plenty of times during the summer and early in the season where these seniors would set the precedent of this is how it's done. If you're not about it, get out. Yeah. Um, So it was very black and white of how things should be done. And I mean, if you want to be a winner, it's pretty black and white. Like, you know what to do. Um, There's little gray area.
1: With, and you, you've also experienced, and the team experience to change in head coaches. So with that, different philosophies, essentially
0: different cultures. So my question, can culture be trained? I think so. I think it's, you know, culture is just a group of people doing the same thing. Um, So whether you have a good culture or a bad culture, it all depends like what direction everyone's going in. And, you know, you can all be in the boat, but if some people are rowing backward and some people are rowing forward, you're just going to go in a circle.
1: Yeah. But they're all working hard. It's true. We're working hard. (laughs) We're
0: sweating everything. So it's everyone's needs to be on that same page of, okay, what's our goal this year? And are our actions, you know, getting us to that goal or, you know, are they, you know, making us backpedal and not get to where we want to go? Um, so I do think it's something that can be trained. Um, you just have to be consistent with it every day. You can't give an inch at all.
1: So where, I mean, where does it begin?
0: Establishing
1: that goal? Is it for an individual goal or is it a team goal?
0: I think it's a team goal, but you need to have everyone on the same page of, do you really want to win? I think a lot of people talk about, do they really want to win? And it's like, okay, are your actions meeting your goals? So it can be on an individual basis. So you want to be something easy, a better shooter, but you're never in before practice shooting. You're never in after practice shooting. So you need to either change your goal of being a better shooter or you need to change your actions. Yeah. You know, so it might be. You know what? I, I'm not going to put in the time. I'm not willing to do that. So I don't want to be a better shooter. Maybe I want to be a better person at a teammate sitting on the bench and cheering. If you're not going to put in that effort,
1: yeah, glue guy,
0: the glue guy, exactly. Or you can be like, you know what? I said this was my goal. Um, I need to get in there before practice, after practice, everything I can do to be that goal of a better shooter.
1: And as as the strength coach for those that don't know, how much time compared to sport coach do you get to spend? with the athletes.
0: So through the whole year, I probably spend the most time with the athletes. Um, in the summer it's about four hours, four to eight hours a week. Um, and then I'm obviously at every practice and every game. Mm -hmm. Um, so the summer it's probably my biggest time, um, where I kind of dictate, you know, the big amount of training load, what we're doing in practice, how long everything is. And then in season, it's more of a backseat, more of recovery. Um, and then kind of getting us primed up for when conference and postseason happens. Yeah.
1: that I mean, that, that time becomes so valuable. So do you invest? I mean, talk to us about your experience investing in the athlete. A lot of strength coaches are wrapped up in X's and O's, spreadsheets, sets and reps. But then this is where you differ a little bit in your approach to developing and unlocking athletic potential of your teams. Like, what's that like, committing to your athlete's
0: I think the big thing, like your prereq to be a good coach should be the X's and O's. Like you should know exercise science inside and out. You should know programming. I mean, you should know how to teach and exercise. So that's being non-negotiable. That's just, you know, price to get in. Um, But I think the biggest thing, whether you see like great coaches and good coaches are your ability to connect with the athlete. So why is these sets of skills, these protocols you have important for their long-term development? And if they don't realize that it is, they're not going to do it to their full potential. But if you can sell them on, hey, these are the results you're going to get if you do it this way. Here's why you're going to do it. Here's how I'm going to help you do it. They're going to buy in. It's a results driven business. So the better they feel, the more they're going to come in and train with me. And I know we're doing a great job because on our off days or things that aren't required for them to come in, I'm constantly having athletes come in that want to do more, want to do extra. Um, And once they see that results right away, like you got them hooked for life. And we can tell because when they graduate, they come back and train. They could go anywhere else, but they come back to Austin. They come back and train with us for a reason.
1: Yeah. And I mean, relationships come before rules. And they're a person first. Yeah. Relationship results. Then rules? Yeah. Yeah. I
0: think, so. what? I think what's it? Rules without relationships leads to like. Anarchy or uh, what's it? It's probably something that starts with an R. Yeah. Rules, relationships, whatever. Um, But if you don't have that relationship piece, um, the athletes will do what you want, but they might not do it to the capability that's going to get them to where they need to go.
1: No. And the intent...
0: Intent drives everything. Will not be there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, with that, I've heard you speak before on the the platinum rule of coaching. Mm -hmm. Many people call this the golden rule, but you... Put your own little spin on that.
0: So the the golden rule is treat others how you would like to be treated, Mm -hmm. Um, which in theory sounds great, but everyone's different. So people probably don't want to be treated the exact way I want to be treated all the time. Um, The platinum rule is treat people how they want to be treated. So I think that comes, you have to actually invest time in the people that you're working with to figure out what motivates them, what drives them, um, how they like to be talked to. Um, It's not going to be perfect all the time. But I think if you foster that relationship, you can figure out, you know, what makes people tick, what makes people actually get motivated to work. Um, But that takes time on your end, actually getting to know the athlete.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. What what are some examples there? I mean, default, the old ball coach is that negative, immediate feedback Mm -hmm. telling you or you were in the wrong place or you didn't know where the ball was. So many people want to jump at that and then assume that's coaching.
0: Yeah. I think when I first started coaching, I was a lot like that, like jump on them for every single thing that was wrong or, and that's easy. Anyone can pick out and be like, that's wrong. You didn't give effort, blah, 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 blah. But it's like, well, let's try to sit and figure out why you didn't give effort today. Like Mm -hmm. what else is going on? Cause I don't believe that you came in today with the idea of like, you know, whatever coach Zach wants today, I'm going to give, you know, half-ass effort. Um, so I kind of want to figure out like, Hey, what, what was the deal today? Like, I know you're better than that. Like, why didn't you not bring your best today? And it could be whatever number of excuses, but it shows like I have empathy. I'm trying to understand like school's hard. You're away from home. You didn't prepare for the demands today. And then tell them like, Hey, that's not acceptable. And this is how I'm going to help you help yourself and fix it. So, if you know, morning workouts are tough for you because you can't get up early enough to eat and you just don't like the morning. Well, that's not an excuse. So we're going to, Hey, let's, have your breakfast right by your bedside. So right when you get up, you can drink a glass of water, eat your granola bar, and head into work. Mm-hmm. Um, let's set your alarm clock 10 minutes earlier so you're not rolling out of bed looking for your shoes. Um, so we're prepared to go. So just listening to them, hearing them out, and then helping them with an actionable plan. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I've had some, I guess,
1: outsiders comment on teams that I've coached in the past and say, oh, they're not in shape. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're not fast when I've witnessed their capabilities and I mean, even passing conditioning tests, like that shit ain't easy and the commenter can't pass the conditioning test. I know that for sure, but then they just observe the athlete within a snapshot in a window where they make a mistake and turn the ball over and then made a decision not to bust their tail. So let's comment and provide that as a, a learning moment for the athlete versus putting a label on them as, Lazy or lazy not coachable. Exactly. Whatever. So it's I mean it I mean, they are people. It's living, breathing moments and opportunities. Why not
0: learn? Treat them as such. And they're young. Like chances are in high school, these we talked about before, they're the best athlete in the state. So -hmm. they probably didn't get coached as hard because that high school coach or whatever, you need that stud on your team if you're gonna win. Mm -hmm. So they're probably using their time to correct, you know, the lower tier players who just aren't as good and you're not getting coached as much. And so when you come to college, like everyone is better than you, or at least on the same level. And so the first time they're getting coached hard is probably by the head coach or usually by me, cause it's in June and right. I'm the first person they see. And so they're like, well, this guy's correcting me. Like, what's his problem? Like I'm an all state player. I'm a McDonald's all American. And this short guy is yelling at me for, you know, short not summer. Exactly. Um, so it's just kind of teaching them how to be coachable and rolling with it. And, um, ultimately we, we want to make you better. It,
1: it, yes. Here, here's a pet peeve in this. Like if I make a comment on an athlete's, let's call it foot position or, uh, where they were on the play or we needed you to be here. And then they like, I was there, my friend, I wouldn't be commenting and providing you the words if. It's not to make you better. Correct. So a lot of athletes that aren't used to, I guess, being communicated that way, they jump back.
0: I think it's an ego thing. I'm sure when I was young, I was the same way of like, no, I did it right. Like, coach, come on. But it's like, it's not, he's not telling you you're a bad person and you suck at the sport. It's like, hey, fix this and you're going to be even better. Mm-hmm. Like, and if all you have to do is put your left foot a little bit in front of your right and that's going to make you a better player, like, why wouldn't you do that?
1: Well, we got to coach up the athletes to help them realize, hey,
0: we're here A little help them. education purpose.
1: Yeah. Recall a, a term. It's called Shades of Awesome. Mm-hmm. So this is from mentor Rafael Ruiz. Talked about Shades of Awesome. And he referenced a All-State track champion in Kansas. There we go. So All-State track in Kansas. And then this girl travels to her college and actually faces stiffer competition, especially in the world of track and field, Mm -hmm. and basically walked away from the team within their freshman year because, I mean, she was the best and then went to where everybody was better than her, walked away from the sport because couldn't take on the responsibility. So shades of awesome. She was amazing at, at this one sport in her town, but then goes to a bigger school, a bigger pond, if you will, where everybody's awesome, and couldn't find her, her place to swim.
0: Yeah. I feel like we see that all the time. It's dealing with adversity. I think, especially if you've been great at something your whole life, you probably haven't had that much chance to work on adversity. Um, college, fresh, especially your freshman year, is a quick wake-up call. Well,
1: this is the beauty of the weight room. Yeah. The weights will always win.
0: Yeah. 45 pounds is always going to weigh 40, 45 pounds. Yeah.
1: Henry Rollins. So now how using your first opportunity, your first summer, Mm -hmm. what are some approaches to
0: prepare them for the hard hard
1: season ahead and failing?
0: Yeah, I think the biggest thing is you need to be like as a strength conditioning coach, an extension of your coaching staff. So it's very important for you to sit down with your head coach and figure out, you know, what they expect in practice. And then I need to replicate that in my area. So if they want all the shirts tucked in, everyone here at this time, like you best believe we're doing that on my end. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you know, they want consistent effort all the time, never walking, whatever, we're going to do that on my end. Because um, if not, if everything's chill on my side and practice is not chill, um, they're in for a rude wake-up call. And that's on me for not preparing them for that.
1: Yeah, and could potentially create enemies. Correct. When your coaching staff full Coaching staffs on the same team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've seen that in my career where uh, misalignment of expectations across the board. You got your athletic training staff over here, head coaching staff over here, strength over here, and then it just be, creates a a for lack of a better term, toxic culture. Absolutely, where athletes are then just seeking their friends who are looking to make it easy versus creating a a, a winning culture. Mm-hmm. Can't have that, nah. What are some failed cultures that you've experienced or witnessed from afar across the, I guess across the court or in your travels
0: as a coach? I think just inconsistency on the any of the coaches' part. Like if you show up and you're real hard ass one day, and then you come in and then you're easy going, chill. Like these athletes don't know what to expect. So like, okay, is coach gonna come in yelling at everybody, expecting all this stuff, or is they gonna come in and be like? Hey, let's have fun, let's, you know, whatever. Um, And I think that lack of consistency screws everybody up. And so I think if your head coach is laid back, you probably need to be a little more laid back. If your head coach is more, you know, high, strong, aggressive that way, like you need to be close to that. Probably not the same um, level as them, but pretty close. Right. Right. Um, just that way they know, you know, when we come into this room, this is what it's expected all the time. And so I have no choice, but to do that.
1: Yeah. Consistency is king, mm-hmm. which then leads to results or one of the other R's we're yeah. talking about. Uh, well, I mean, how, how can coaches, I mean, I know the soft skills are where coaches fail first, right? We said establish X's and O's and being able to teach and communicate movement numero uno but how can they start to create connection better with athletes? Because it's showing up early in the warmups, asking them how, how school's going. Like what are some touch points that young coaches out there can take away to accelerate their connection? I
0: think the first thing, like if you're a young coach, you need to get, be in a good situation where you have older coaches, um, you know, in the same weight room as you that you can ask for feedback for like, Hey, would you mind watching my session and let me know, like, where I need to work on or, like, what needs to be better with my communication style or how I do things. Um, and watch them to see, like, what they do really well, like, what athletes respond well to. Um, I know I, I worked under Andrea Hooty forever when I did my undergrad and internship. And I would notice that as guys would come in the weight room, she would talk to each one of them. How's your day going? What you been up to? How's your mom? How about practice yesterday? Like, little touch points. Mm-hmm. And then you can kind of get a read on if you talk to someone every day, you know, if they're in a good mood or a bad mood or any of that type of stuff. And so you can kind of come in and if everyone comes in, they're kind of in a lousy mood. You'd lost the last last night or whatever. OK, maybe it's a good time to bring everyone in and be like, hey, I know we lost last night. We got blown out on the road. Everyone's tired because we got in late last night, but we have a game in two days. And we don't want that to happen again. So what are we going to do to hit the reset button? Because mm-hmm. if we don't, we could lose another three games in a row so let's address what's out there and learn from that. Um, so I think it's just the constant connection talking, um, you know, texting them outside of, Hey, you had a great practice today. Can't wait to work with you tomorrow. Little things like that, um, are super small, but that athletes going to remember like, you know, they're watching, they care. Like he's not just practice twiddling his thumbs. He's watching what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that added attention shows that you're invested in their career. Um, and especially, you know, you're asking other things like how school is your family. Like, you care about them more than just an athlete. It's not like I just like you because you put up 20 and 10 last night. Um, I
1: mean, it helps. It does help. <laughs> yeah. I w- coach in high school, one thing I aim to do is connect with the other coaches and just say, hey, like who, who did you notice put forth the or who's grown the most over the past few games? Mm-hmm. Or what did you see from the last game that we need more of? So then get... One, two, three things for a player, and then go find them and say, "Hey, I was, you know, I was talking to Coach Zach, and this is what we noticed about last game. You know, keep it up." So reaffirming, like we're all watching and yeah. then talking about them outside of the space and connected to their performance. Uh, yeah, some fun. Yeah, I mean, being a strength sport coach, I love it because then have a lot of control at practice versus uh, we we were speaking off. Off camera about the the challenges as train coach saying I have this beautiful program, ah, it's squat day awesome can't wait and then you get a call down to the weight room from the head coach oh they were being assholes today they ran two miles stay off their legs mm-hmm. Ugh. okay so have some control in there but still aim to bring both coaching staffs together to then help the athletes focus on what they need to long seasons a lot of frustrations so aim to to help kids stay focused, especially for multi-sport athletes?
0: Well, they'll see it on your end too. Like if you're communicating with coach a lot and they, you were at practice and you saw they got smoked out the day before, or if we have to lift after practice, for some reason, and it was a long three-hour practice. You can talk with them and be like, hey, we got after at practice. I'm going to take a set off squats. Um, if you want to do this exercise instead of that, like I'll work with you as long as you put forth effort. But if the effort's not there, we're going to go back to what I originally planned and we're squatting, we're doing all the sets and deal with it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it shows, you know, your ability to um, not make deals with them, but essentially like, hey, I see where you guys are coming from and I can help you out in this area, but you need to put forth the effort. So we still get where we need to go. Yeah.
1: Yeah. One of the challenges, I suppose, with the sport of lacrosse, like... There was some loafing at times, and then the question posed to the kids that play football straight up like, would you give this effort for the football coaches? No. No. <laughs> so then why, why are you giving that to us? Yeah. So, you know, framing it as a, a disrespect, and we know you're capable of
0: more. I think it's a disrespect. They don't look at it as a, it's disrespectful to them. And their teammates, like mm-hmm. for you not to like give your best, you're wasting days. Like you only get so many practice days. We always go down and there's not very many practice days in the season. It seems like a bunch, but like towards the end of the season, it was like, you got eight more practices. Mm-hmm. And if you miss one of them, like you're only, and you give great for the rest of you, are only seven out of eight or you miss two. It's like um six out of eight. Mm-hmm um so it's like consistency i know we're going to keep harping on this whole time but like consistency over time is where it's one yeah well any any more notes
1: on in season so we want to do spend some time in that because it does matter mm -hmm. you lift in season correct very important thing especially with the the culture of weightlifting and basketball almost non-existent right correct So sticking with in-season training, like how important is that? And what are some factors that coaches need to pay attention to?
0: I think the biggest thing in-season for us is to figure out what they're doing on the court. So duration, everything like that. And then it's very important to get them in before practice. So like if you're waiting until after practice to lift, I'm not saying it's a waste of a session. But if your goal is power output or strength or anything actually that we're after, it's going to be very hard to get that after a three and a half hour practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the biggest thing is like educating coach on like, hey, he gives me them twice a week mandatory for 30 minutes before practice. And then it's up to me because I know frequency is very important to, you know, what are we doing the other five days? And so I try to get them, hey, come coming for 15 minutes. We'll stretch. We'll do one exercise and then we'll go to practice like, Hey, well let's just do some cleans and we'll go to practice. And mm-hmm. so it's not that hard for them to come in there and I make it an environment. They want to come in and train like, well, music you want to listen to, like, we'll get you a Gatorade and a snack before practice. Your buddies are going to be in here. Like let's lift. You're going to feel good. It's going to be better than our dynamic warmup on the court anyways. And then you're going to be ready to go to practice. Yeah. And freshmen always think you're crazy. Cause like, it's going to hurt my shot. What not. And that's why you sell it so well to the upperclassmen that it's like, No, if you want to make it through the whole season and be where you want to be in four years, you're going to need these weight room sessions. Mm -hmm. So it's basically, obviously you're going to have the two required ones, but how many more times can I get them in there? And then you'll notice throughout the season, the athletes that come in the most have the most success. Yeah. And so it's like athlete A came in all the time and athlete B didn't. At the end of the year, athlete B is like, well, why is she this much more ahead of me? It's like, well, all those times where you wouldn't come in for 15 minutes, she was here in 15 minutes. Five times a week. That's a lot of time. Math. Yeah. Just do the math. I can't do it now. I can't but do it either. <laughs> yeah. So I need a, a spreadsheet. To yeah. Me. A spreadsheet.
1: Excel deal. <laughs> <laughs> but, and I mean, it, basketball is a long season. Mm-hmm. So you kick off October and then, I mean, through Christmas break all the way till, till April. Exactly. All the way to April. So how does the season lifting approach change? Do you decrease volume? Do you increase intensity? Once you get towards the championship season, it may be, I've seen it, sport coaches say, okay, we're going to back off. But how important is it to continue, even in championship season,
0: to lift? I think that's the biggest thing we could start. I mean, even further back, like September is when we get into our 20 hours. And so we're still going to lift a bunch. So quick pause on that. Like off-season summer, you get up to eight hours. Eight hours, yeah. And then... Now we're in season. You're allowed 20 20 hours hours including. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. you can't go more than four hours in a day. um, And they don't have to give you time to lift. I know there's plenty of old school programs that are like, we're using it all for basketball. Mm -hmm. Find time outside of that. Luckily my head coach believes in the weight room and we're in there at least in the fall before the season starts. We're probably in there three or four times. Um, And through there it's, you know, let's build this robustness that we're going to need throughout the season keyword let me write that down robust another r word so i think building that robustness is super important um, as you go into the season um, when we get them closer to season like we travel more and then we're practicing a ton, and then we're playing a bunch of games so throughout this creates a lot of stiffness um which is good and bad um mm-hmm. sometimes they get too wound up and then you'll notice like lower backs tight my ankles are tight and so we'll address those problem areas um, some athletes they need to be more reactive so they need to be more stiff so we're going to train them in a different way um, as those groups that need you know more flexibility more mobility um, but the idea is you get them through the season and then when it's championship time that's when you know the intensity goes up more reactive reactability I don't care if they're stiff because you need to be reactive to be good at basketball so when they're telling me, your February, March, that their lower backs are tight and staff I'm like, perfect. We're in a great spot to be reactive. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a big difference between health and performance. So performance isn't healthy. So playing a sport is not healthy. Um, if you look at, you know, if you're trying to get in great longevity or whatever, all the longevity talks, no one's like play four hours of basketball a day. That'll be good. <laughs> They're like, no walk. You know, resistance training, don't go too crazy, whatever. Like we want to try to fly as close to the sun without getting burnt. Um, And so throughout the season, we'll be monitoring all their workload um, with catapult. Um, They wear it in like a sports bra under their jersey. We'll wear that for practice and games. And then we have a force plate. Um, Then we have elite form, which is on the rack. Um, It measures bar speed, bar velocity. Um, So the force plate basically tells us what they need. And then we apply that and track them throughout the whole season. Cause some players need, you know, more mobility, more flexibility. Some need more stiffness, more bracing. Um, and this actually gives me, you know, exact numbers of are they getting better in season? Or are they getting worse?
1: Mm-hmm. And does the stats, I guess the, the printouts, I don't know what to call them, the, like the models showing those, the sport coach help reinforce the weight room? Or?
0: Um, to a point, like, some sport coaches don't care. And there's like, I just need our point guard to be good. And you're like, I got you. Um, What I've noticed, the biggest value is showing the athlete, everyone, every athlete wants to see how special they are. And it's like, let's look at your scan. And it helps sell the program of like, this is why you're squatting heavy today. And this is why she's stretching. Right. And so I can see like, Hey, the more we do this, this number goes up, you're going to be more athletic, you're probably going to play more. And then Hey, you know, on the other end, like you need more mobility. I know you like lifting weights because you're really good at it, but you're already stiff as you need to be like, let's work on the health component. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of tailored of, Hey, why are they doing this? And why am I doing that? It's like, well, this is why. Yeah, I get
1: it. I mean, do you often get some weight room warriors in there? You got to we hold do. back a
0: bit. I think it's like certain times, like you know, as well as I do, like some days you're feeling really good and you're like, let's get after it. And you're like, Hey, we got three games this week. Like maybe not do that today. Um, or if it's, you know, a younger player that plays five minutes a game, it's like, yeah, let's go. Um, let's train hard and get after it. Um, but usually in season, it's like our high minute players. I usually ask them a lot, you know, how they're feeling, how they're doing. Um, and I let them make modifications. Like if, they really don't feel like putting a bar on their back. I'm like, cool. We can do the split squat variation or anything like that. Um, That's why frequency is so important. If they're feeling bad on Monday, chances are if I have them Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're going to be able to get that big movement in that we need for the week.
1: Yeah. This, this is one thing that we aim to teach with the, the methodology teach movement, not movements. Mm -hmm. So if let's say they want to have the opportunity to choose their own adventure, Well, here are your lunge options or lunge variations or squat options, squat variations. Still hinging, still squatting, still lunging, but they get this level of autonomy in there. And then there's different adjustments that you can make as a coach taking away the selection Mm -hmm. that also decreases the load that then takes away the intensity and it almost backs into what they would need as an athlete. Yeah. So if my barbell is no longer an option in there, but I have goblet squat or, or suitcase carry, I can't necessarily, unless it's you and I, you and I. Yeah, so it's freaking <laughs> taking those 150s up in the, the power athlete gym for walking lunges for a ride, they're not going to be able to, you know do the same with the barbell walking lunge as they would gripping and holding those dumbbells. So a creative way that they're still executing the movement that you need them to mm-hmm. hit. But then backing off the intensity.
0: Well, all the same basic movements, like it's boring. Um, But the way we can manipulate it is by like an implement. Um, And more often than not, if we give them an option of like, hey, it's barbell RDL on the street, on the sheet. If you want to do single leg with a dumbbell or with a med ball or body weight, more often than not, they're going to just choose the one that I wanted them to do anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think giving them the option of, hey, if you feel a certain type of way, Let's deload it today. That's fine. Like you're going to come back tomorrow. and Maybe if you feel good, we'll go after the barbell one. Um, so I'm not too concerned about, oh, God, they didn't hit 80% of their max for RDL. Like we're screwed for the game Friday. Like that's never going to be the case.
1: Yeah. Two notes on that. With working with, I guess, private sector. We can't use the term deload. It scares mm. people away. Yeah. So we call them reloads. I like it. We're going to reload this week. And cut back on the number of reps and the weight you're doing. Yeah, like okay, that. sounds good. You're going to deload? I'm out. Yeah. Phrasing, uh, to quote Archer. The, the, the other thing you said there, percentages, and then one thing I want to hit on, say the freshman that didn't get the minutes that your, your hard-charging stars did, well, this is another approach we use in Field Strong and use a rep max model. And essentially where the the phrase, the move, the dirt came from. Mm -hmm. So say you and I are on a team, doesn't matter the sport, but then you're rock star playing majority of the minutes out there and I get one or two runs just to give you a spell. But we both can go into the weight room the next day or later in the week and we can hit a five RM, three rep max. You're hitting as much weight as you can do for five following this all-star performance. And then I'm over here, strongest guy on the bench, I also hit as much weight as I can do for five, but the intensity is a lot more higher for me because I got more juice in the tank than you, but we're both able to hit as much weight as we can do for five. So move the dirt. Sometimes you get a shovel. Sometimes you get a spoon. Mm-hmm. I'm managing my weight room. Both of my guys are hitting five RM. However, it's just directing more towards the kid that needs the recovery. Absolutely. Versus the kid that's hard charging over here and I need, you know, still to progress him later down the road, I'm not going to give him percentage-based lift. No. no. Rep max.
0: So we get lucky that we have elite form which can measure bar velocity. So well, if, you know, I played a bunch, my 60% is going to feel a lot different than your 60%. So if I can give them a range kind of where they should be, I usually don't even give it to them. I just kind of look at their thing and I was like, okay, that's really slow today. You tired? oh yeah this all this stuff's like, okay, let's take five kilos off um, or on the other end like you didn't play at all like it's gone through the roof like hey, let's add some weight like let's keep getting after it um, so we're kind of lucky in that respect where we can but same principle
1: yeah but we well a lot of our education we aim to for for the minimalist for the coach in the high school weight room who doesn't have the opportunity uh, where we can still learn. And train our coach's eye with bar speed and and Mm -hmm. technology. When we aim to educate lowest common denominator, which then principle-based allows them the opportunity to really take advantage of tech if they got it. correct. Okay.
0: But another thing with uh, the playing time situation. So a lot of, I get this question all the time. Like, do you do extra conditioning with the players that don't play as much? Um, So I always sit down with coach and be like, is this athlete not playing because they physically can't play like it's an engine issue or something on my end, or is it it a skill acquisition thing? And so if it's a skill acquisition thing, why are we running on the treadmill with me? So it should be, let's go 20 or 30 minutes with one of the coaches or a GA working on why they're not playing. Mm -hmm. And if it is a skill thing and, or if it is an engine thing, then they should be with me extra. But more often than not, they're not as skilled as the athlete in front of them. So instead of, you know, being on a versa climber or a bike or whatever for some duration of time, why don't they play basketball or work on what they're not as good at? So skill development. Yeah.
1: yeah. Man, that's good. I like that. The, I mean, communicating what does the kid need and then providing them the opportunity. Yeah. Or reinforcing what the coach uh, or I guess providing feedback for the coach who may default to They need more conditioning. Yeah, well,
0: the reason uh, they didn't play 20 minutes, they need to run for 20 minutes. It's like, well, yes, but why didn't they play in the first place? Is it Mm -hmm. because they couldn't last 20 minutes, or is it because they don't know the plays, or they can't dribble or pass? or like What were they lacking skill-wise? It's not allowing them to play.
1: Yeah, well, they weren't in good enough shape to remember the plays. It's your fault.
0: You're right. You're getting it.
1: Yeah. Uh, We hear a lot of these... Interesting conversation and feedback from sport coaches. So love to throw some jabs in there. Well, uh, while, while you mention it re- return to play, and this is something I know you're, you're passionate about and you got the tools to really empower the girls from athletic training room to then full speed practice. Mm-hmm. The challenge is for, for listeners that don't know if I'm an athlete that has an injury, then I miss one week, two week, three week, four week, hopefully not anymore. My team is training hard, getting in shape, gelling. So the time that I miss is very valuable. So it's Zach's job to help hand off from the athletic trainer to get them up to full speed to hit the ground running when they're finally ready to practice. What challenges do you face and take into consideration? Because you don't want to get the athlete, let them down. Mm -hmm. And they want to go 100% as soon as the, the ATC or the
0: doc says go. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is setting realistic expectations. So once you're cleared to go, we do our athletic trainer. She does a great job of it's like, okay, you can go 30 minutes of practice. So you can do an hour and then walk through plays and like slowly progress them into it. And I think um, that is better than an all or nothing type situation. I recognize in high school, like I was injured in high school and it was like, you got your cast off. And it's like, yeah, dude, you're good to go. And then that whole month back, you're like, my leg freaking kills. Yeah. Um, but there's no progression. I assume it's gotten better since then. Don't assume. Um, <laughs> but I think it's setting realistic expectations with that athlete of here's where we're at. Here's where we need to go. And um, we're with them so much trying to get them to where they need to be just because your best ability is availability. You can't help us if you're on the bench.
1: All right. This one's for us. Uh We train together quite often. It's usually connected to curls for the girls, but there's still opportunity for sport, competition, spike ball, pickleball. I mean, old man games at this stage in our our career. And you have the opportunity to train your athletes to a, a championship mindset and the importance of competition for leveling up their abilities. Now for us old dudes... Like how important is still being competitive?
0: I think it's huge. I think the times in my life where I felt the best, it's when I have some goal or competition or something where I'm pushing myself towards. It could be a stupid thing where I've, you know, bet with you how many times I could work out in a month or something that doesn't matter. Um, And I think the times where I've been the most like, lost or unsure about myself I've had no goal no really drive to do anything so I think it's like how do you keep your edge through all these years and how am I going to teach a group how to be competitive if, I've, if I can't even be competitive on my own yeah and I got lucky again with Andrea Hooty. we're kind of wired the same of like competing for no reason so she would do this thing where she used to be a runner and she'd have the interns because every intern it's like I like strength conditioning because I like to lift but they forget the conditioning part. She'd be like, "Hey, I'm going on a run in 15 minutes. Tie your shoes. Let's go." She'd mm-hmm. do like a five or ten mile loop, and half the interns go, "Oh, like, well, I'm not going to go." And I would always be like, "Yeah, I'm going to go. Let's let's go." And I'm like, "I'm going to beat this old lady." Um, but the whole thing you was had like knee surgeries multiple exactly, times. Exactly, but <laughs> like she didn't care, and like she was going to do whatever she could to make you wish you never went on that run or a bike ride or anything you know, like that. And it was like for nothing. Like there was no trophy. There was no, like you were going to be posted somewhere that you did this good on a run. It was just like to do it, compete with someone you're with. And I think a lot of people never do that. And so they wonder why when it's time to actually compete or be mentally tough, like they can't turn it on. And I think sometimes it's probably unhealthy. um, But I think being able to compete, it bleeds into so many other aspects of your life. Um, Even like, we have like a Peloton and I have an issue with it. I can't get on it and just go for a chill ride. I'll like start out chill and then I'll look on the leaderboard. and am like, I'm dropping too low. I got to go. And it's like, for what? Like nobody knows how well I do on that. Like nobody cares. I don't, I'm not telling anybody like I'm not going to get it's a just on this a, podcast. There's yeah. There's 10 listeners. Yeah, everyone sign in. Um, so it's like, I think you got to practice with some goal or something like that in, in hand. Otherwise, you're just kind of aimlessly working out, not training or... Doing anything, yeah.
1: And once that that training stops, I'm fortunate to have John over here, who always whips together some crazy competition. Charles cut out bread for uh, ninety days. Charles, how's it going?
0: Well, I did have a PB and J the other day. <laughs> the <first time>. Unbelievable, orgasmic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we lost Charles. So he's he's uh, off the the, uh, off the team. He's back on the peanut butter sauce. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it, it is important and. That we understand that man. If if we're not aiming at anything, then we're just going through the motions, and we don't have the intensity intensities that it takes to to learn something about yourself and be a model.
0: I think it's for just our a athletes. lack of like structure. Like if I'm going to be the leader of like physical performance for this group, like I'm not saying I need like a six pack and be able to bench five hundred pounds or anything. But you just I, happen to have those things. Yeah. Right. And so, I feel like you should at least embody that like, hey, you know, I expect you guys to eat well and drink water. Like, I'm going to do the same. I expect for you to train really hard all the time. I'm going to do the same. Like, I should be able to look like I could hop in your conditioning test and beat half you guys. Mm -hmm. I mean, I understand this is coming from a young guy. And as I get older, it's going to be a little different. But I don't think it should be that much different. Like, I should look like I can hop in, demonstrate these drills. I think the biggest issue with strength and conditioning coaches now, they think it's all about lifting weights and then you watch them demonstrate an a skip or running form or anything like that and it looks like trash
1: yeah why are you all sweaty
0: yeah and it's like jumping jacks in the attic and like most of these sports it's on your feet without lifting like there's no bench press at halftime and we get 10 points like it's how quick are you how high you can jump like can you play defense are you tough enough to outlast the person in front of you and if we're not teaching them those skills like i think we're missing like a huge portion of what our job is
1: yeah i've mentioned this on the podcast before but i demo a lot of exercises jumps sprints plyometrics and things they're not going to listen to my words correct but they will watch me move and do their best to do speak to the actions that i i my expectation of execution but they're more in tune at this level of high school to just do what I do, what they see mm-hmm. monkey see monkey do. Then my words, I still do both, but, um, so have to go full speed. So I have to have the intent, the effort on my demonstrations. Otherwise they will mimic me exactly the effort I put forth.
0: Oh, totally. I know like my first job, I was at Southern mess. I was like 23 young guy. um, And what I used to do is we'd have optional days for conditioning to get them ready for practice. And I would do it with them and I would kill myself. Like these guys are D1 athletes. I'm some scrub high school player. And I would kill myself essentially every Saturday with these guys doing it. And it won so much respect with them of like, hey, he's doing the same stuff we're doing. Like they expect me to be strong in the weight room. They're not going to be impressed because I squat whatever number. They're like, you're supposed to be able to do that. You're a strength coach. But then they're more impressed with, oh, he can do the same running we're doing. He's finishing, you know, on the top half every time. Like he walks to walk, talks to talk. Um, I'm a really good jumper, um, so I could dunk at the time. I was a lot smaller, um, so I could show them like, hey, I can dunk, and I'm short. Um, imagine what I can do with you, who's six six, right? And a elite athlete. Um, so it's kind of showing them like, hey, this is how it's done. This is how hard you should push yourself. Um, and yeah. You set the standard. So
1: how do you work these, quote unquote, competitions into the training for your athletes? Like in season we have, okay, we're playing number, the the fifth ranked team or the number two ranked team. Like your coach is not shy in the competition that he schedules to help prepare for the long-term goal at the end of the season. So how do you within the season or excuse me, within the training,
0: prepare them for the competitions. I think the biggest thing is like in the off season, we'll do a number of things. So like the game is very chaotic. And so I'll make weights chaotic. So sometimes we'll be training along and then I'll just stop everybody and be like, we're going to do conditioning right now. And they're like, what? We just started like we're on our second lift. I'm like, no conditioning right now, do this, come back. So it's like, they don't know what we're doing. I'll explain the directions really quick. And then it's go. Um, or we'll do stuff. Usually we'll end with about 10 to 15 minutes of something really hard. It's nothing that's going to fatigue them for the week. Um, but it's something to show like, Hey, it's go time. Like I need you to give effort for two minutes. Mm -hmm. All I need you to do go as hard as you can. If it's not up to that standard, we're going to redo it. Um, so they kind of know like the only option is to give your best and there's no like shortcut. There's no like, well, what if I do really good on the first rep and on the second rep? It's like, no, this is the standard you do it or everyone's going to keep redoing it. Yeah. Um, so I think you have to harvest that hard competition all the time. We'll throw things into them. Like we'll run lines and someone will touch the line and I, I'll tell them they didn't. And we have to redo it again. And it's supposed to simulate a bad call. So some athletes will, that'll ruin their whole day. They'll be like, I swear I touched the line. like, uh, And they won't run the rest of them hard because they're still sad about the bad call. And it's like, what do you think is going to happen to the game? Like there's going to be a bad call. You're going to pick up a foul that you didn't deserve it. Are you just going to quit the rest of the game? And some of them do. If you watch the games on TV, like some of them will have a bad turnover. It's not their fault or a foul. It's not their fault. And then they'll crumble the rest of the game. So it's like, how do you respond to adversity? And it's up to us to put that in for them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And help train. Train. Appropriate it's like response.
0: People like mental toughness is just doing the same stuff over and over. Mm-hmm. Like every day, whether you want to do it or don't want to do it. Like you just have to do it. There's no negotiating. And not quitting. Correct. And so it's like, if we're not practicing that skill, what do you think is going to happen to the game?
1: Well, you fall to the level of your training.
0: Exactly. So it's like up to us to put them in positions of like, hey, this is going to suck for five minutes, but I just need to give it your all for five. That's all I need, five minutes. And we're going to win the game or win this competition. And like, don't settle for working for four and giving up on one. Like, do the whole five minutes.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. The, a lot of, Thoughts jumping around. One thing is, is Al Vermeel's conditioning test. Mm -hmm. Did you ever hear about this? Mm -mm. So Al Vermeel's strength and conditioning coach for San Francisco 49ers and then the Chicago Bulls. So he's got rings on both hands, legend in the game. Can't tell him shit. Yeah. His conditioning test for the Bulls was over. So box jump overs. So imagine NBA dudes just jumping over. It was either 10 or 12 inches. So just basically little hops onto a 12-inch box, then down on the other side. So box overs, that was it for 90 seconds. Irrelevant counting the reps. Mm -hmm. So the test was, how are you going to behave when administering this test? And he did this to his athletes to realize, okay, who can do this simple thing and how are they going to react? Are they going to get bored? Are they going to get attitude about it? Are they going to behave like a child, even though they're a professional athlete? And figuring out all of these little things about who he's going to be working with throughout the season. And I mean, his thing was like apply this test because people that have a problem with it, they're the ones that are
0: going to get you fired. Well, it's the same people like that give up early on your running lines or versa climber, wind bike, whatever you're doing are the same people that do it on the court. And so exactly, that's, that was his point. It, it's like, why don't I get it out in June or show everybody in June? Like, Hey, these are your weak links. or these are the guys that need extra practice or encouragement, or maybe you need to help out more as your teammate um, to get tougher in this area. And if not, they're going to be the ones who are with you on the court who don't guard their man. And they, the other team scores to win the game. Um, so it's better to address that stuff now. And then shows like, Hey, athlete a always folds. Like what do we need to do more of? the stuff that makes them fold. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they had the choice to either get over the hump or I don't know, find something else to do.
1: Yeah. The big fan of pillars to identify this. So rather than the Albert meal, I'm all for doing it. If, if I had the opportunity to administer it to 50 kids, but pillar work, dead bugs, side pillars, just elbows and mm-hmm. toes. And then essentially allowing the clock to take care of the rest. So putting them in a position to hold these and then just really mystic about the time. I love to stole this from Luke, but a a Chicago 30 seconds. I'm not keeping count. Does that feel like 30? Sure. Okay. But then people start to drop. Mm -hmm. Oh, keep going. You got five more seconds. Once everybody's up and then start to see who quits, who goes down and then, Call them out by name, so everybody on the team is aware. Okay, this person made a decision to drop down, or they went down early. So if we say three, two, one, and I don't give it down. Okay, well we got thirty more seconds because Zach so can't do it. Zach can't listen. Yeah. So little things like that and help prepare them for. I mean, the hard work that is ahead of them. Well,
0: especially like that stuff, like holding a plank, who can hold it the longest or whatever. You're always going to have athletes that drop after 30 seconds. And you're like, you're telling me one of your teammates held it for 10 minutes and you can't hold it for 30 seconds? Like well, that's, that's a choice. not Yeah, to. it's a choice. It's a decision. And so it's like, are you cool with the decision to quit? And I'm not cool with that. And your teammates shouldn't be cool with it. Neither should you. So don't give yourself an option. Don't negotiate with yourself that it's going to be easier because it's not. Like it's eventually going to come back and hurt all of us. So – Just do it. (laughs) Yeah. Eventually we'll, man, at the end of the season and then ah, you lose the tough game. Well, it's always the last five minutes and it comes down to like, we had our sweet 16 game. It was like a possession type game back and forth. And it was like, you need to be able to execute when you're tired. Like both teams are pressing for 40 minutes and it's like, okay, everyone's tired. Who's willing for this last five minutes to dial in and do what they're supposed to do and give effort. Mm Mm-hmm. And so and that stuff's trained all year round. It's not just in the summer. everyone's like, oh, we're win because of what we do in the summer, no it's what you do in the summer and then can you keep that through the whole season. So you have to have those standards and never waver from that the whole season.
1: So what are your goals going into this short King summer?
0: Me personally or for the team for, right. both? Um, me personally, just continue to be get jacked and tan. Um, I'm competing in a 125 mile bike race in the end of June. Oh, so I've never, uh, ridden my bike farther than 40 miles. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I'm not, uh, an endurance guy. that I that attitude. I know that's hard to believe, but, um, I think it'll be a fun challenge. It's going to be in like the middle of Nebraska and into June. So it'll be probably a hundred degrees, um, flat, flat, hopefully flat on gravel. So gravel's an element I've never dealt with. So it'll be kind of a uh, elite form actually is one of the title sponsors. And they asked me if I wanted to do it because I know I ride bikes and I can't chicken out. So I'm going to go do it. Um, So that's kind of one of my goals. I'm kind of researching how to train for it. Um, I think it's going to be more of a mental game than anything like sitting on a bike for eight to ten hours. Like that in itself is going to suck, let alone all the other things that go into that. Um, so that should be interesting. I'm doing it with one of the strength coaches at Kansas, Luke Bradford. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how we fare in that regard. Um, for team, um, it's kind of elevating the standard to get over. We've done elite eight, elite eight. So how can we go to the final four? So basically we've set the bar. We've kind of done it to ourselves where it's elite eight or it's a failure. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, how can we get over the hump? Well, we're going to need to make some sacrifices in order to do that. Um, we might have to come in extra. We might have to sh- get up early. Um, and so it's like, what are we willing to do to make that next step? Um, and you've got to kind of be real with everyone. You want to kind of be an idealist with everything, but you need to also be a realist of like, hey, what did you do last year? And got you to this point where you're going to have to do more
1: yeah.
0: um, and grow up. If you really want to be a final four national championship team, if not change your goal change your actions.
1: Yeah. Uh, have you all established the, I guess the the one liner, the catchphrase for we, the team this year?
0: We don't really do that. And I kind of like that just because like your standards should never change every year. It's not like, I can't even remember team's old standards that I've been on, but it's like, why would it change every year? Like the standard is the standard. Like we know it's expected. You do what's expected. Like it's not, I don't need a catchphrase. Like, No catchphrase has ever won a national championship. Otherwise, everyone don't know. Do works done a lot. Do works, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But my whole thing is like, if you need a catchphrase or a fancy motivational thing, like that's only going to last so long. Um, So you need your structure, your discipline, your values to help get you where you want to go.
1: Yeah, probably one of my biggest pet peeves out there is the fake hype is real hype. Yeah, just do your job.
0: Yeah. You know how to prepare, you know what to eat, you know what you need to prepare, like do it. Mm -hmm. Like, I think a lot of times people like to dance around for the perfect opportunity to work or perfect opportunity to start my diet or my training program. It's like, if you want to gain weight, you know, you, you know what to do. You need to eat more food. If you want to lose weight, you need to eat less and move more. Like there's very few people who I think have bad body comp because they're eating too many sweet potatoes and broccoli and chicken and real food. You know what I mean? So, when people come to me and they're like, I don't know why I can't do this, it's like, you know why. Like, if I gave you 100 bucks to go to the calf and make a good plate, I bet you could do it. Yeah. So, why aren't you doing it all the time? It's because you're negotiating with yourself. You're like, well, I'll skip this meal or I'll do this. And it's like, well, change your goals, change your action.
1: Change your actions or change your goals.
0: There you go. That's you it,
1: it with Coach Zach Zillner. Thank you very much, buddy. And,